Country singer Jesse James Decker joins us, and we do our first ever year-end review. It's been a shit year. Yeah. Just a complete shit year. <laughs> On the Music Universe podcast. Matt, what did you think of 2020? Favorite year ever. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm actually not lying. Um, and yes, it has been a complete shit year. But that's on a personal note. On a professional working in media note and getting to do really cool stuff, uh, you know, it was actually a really great year. And you know what? I don't it I was. don't want anybody... Th there's this thing. The media has created such gloom around how this year went. That there's this thing that if anything... You know, you start to feel after a while that if anything good happened to you this year... Uh, for instance, breaking up with my boyfriend. <laughs> uh, yeah. If anything good happened to you this year, you're made to feel guilty about it because of the hundreds of thousands of people in the country and the, and the over a million around the world who are dead, you know? And, and, yeah. and you can feel bad for that and also be glad about the year you had overcoming the circumstances of this year, working from home, not being able to see loved ones. If you had a successful year in any sector... In any part of your life, don't feel bad about it. Enjoy that amongst right. all of the challenges, you have some things to really look back on and enjoy this year. Uh, exactly. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, we instantly went into interview mode and we did dozens within a month. Yeah. And we were able to really grow this show and we're really appreciative of that. So COVID has obviously been a downfall for a lot of things, but uh, you know, professionally for us and many people actually it it has really boost uh, their, their careers in, in different ways. So, you know, a, a, there's that plus and minus there with everything. So we've got, we've, we've got, you know, some stuff to be proud of. I'd say we certainly do. You know, it, it really, in a lot of ways, this was, it kind of allowed me to achieve my dream, which was to sit home and talk to people, talk to these stars, mm -hmm. talk to these cool people. You know, that's, that's what I've always wanted to do and wanted to do on a larger scale than, you know, what I had been. And, and it really allowed for that. And, and I, and it also allowed us, I think, to figure out how to do it going into post pandemic, how to search for things yeah. in our lives search for careers, search for job fulfillment, financial fulfillment in a way that also allows us to do the site and to do the podcasts that we do. And I really think that's a blessing. I think that's the, the silver lining that has come out of, of 2020. And I know that's a little meta and maybe you're here to for the music content. We'll get to that in a minute. But anybody that wants to do something, it, it's just we are proof that just Go out and do it. You never know what could come of it, you know. Yeah, you, you just got to work hard at it. And we have. And we've we've lined up guest after guest after guest. And uh, we're really grateful for that. Grateful for everyone who's worked with us, whether it's the artist or directly or it's the publicist or the labels, whoever. We, we appreciate everybody involved and uh, really looking forward to what 2021 has. I mean, we have... If I remember correctly, this is like our 70th show, I think. I, I, we're up there. Maybe not quite 70, but we are up there. We we have that many 
in the can and that some of them airing twice a week sometimes three times to burn through mm -hmm. them and then we started kind of spacing them out weekly some weeks we would skip um so we and, and this started back the in point September being, of 2019 the point being we ended up during the pandemic getting more content than we knew what to do with <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and uh many late nights trying to get these things edited and out buddy i'm sending you the files but the internet's not working it's stuck at 40 percent. hang in there man <laughs> or i'm sending you the files and then two weeks later i'm sending you the files yeah. <laughs> i'm messing with i know you. no but, but no we that's right <laughs> absolutely correct yeah yeah, but no, we we've had some uh, great people, and uh, actually, we, you know, this is our first ever year-end review. We figured why not <laughs> take 2020 out with a bang, so to speak, in that way, and uh, we actually have a guest we weren't uh, expecting mm -hmm. to have till the last minute, uh, Jesse James Decker, country singer, and uh, she's uh, co-hosting New Year's Rock and Eve with uh, Ryan Seacrest 2021 for ABC. Jesse James Decker, welcome to the Music Universe podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. Uh, how was Christmas? It was really special. It was just uh, a really great time. The kids had so much fun. They were so grateful. And it's just, uh, it was a really special day. That's lovely. Oh, that's awesome. And then you're on, uh, well, we're chatting with you today because obviously you're uh, one of the uh, hosts for Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest 2021, and you're introducing the Powerball First Millionaire of the Year. Tell us about that. Yes, I'm so excited. So I got to do it last year, and it was a really cool um, element that they added to such an iconic show. The show's been around for almost 50 years, so it was really neat to... Uh, to be asked to be a part of such an amazing, um, iconic show. So um, my job is to tell someone that they are the first Powerball millionaire of the year. I got to do it last year. Um, and so what they do is they have thousands and thousands of people enter and they narrow it down. And um, those five people were flown to New York and all throughout the night, I would talk to them, ask them about, you know, how they're feeling, what it would mean to them to, to win this money, um, and learn a little bit about their backgrounds. And, um, so this year I will be doing the same thing. It'll be a little different. They won't be flown to New York this year. I'll be in New York, but I will be speaking to them virtually and I will be checking in with them all night long alongside Brian Seacrest and Lucy Hale. And then, um, at midnight, we will, uh, a ball will be dropped and the first Powerball millionaire will be announced. So it's mm -hmm. a pretty exciting thing to be part of. I love that. How does that make you feel last year? You, you did it last year. You're doing it again this year to look somebody in the eye and say, you've just, you, you've just earned a million dollars. You're our winner. How does it feel to change somebody's life like that? Oh my goodness. You know, I, last year I, I watched back because my mom DVR'd it for me, and I feel like I was just as excited as the winner. I screamed too loud. I think I bled <laughs> like the speakers of like TVs of everyone's home. Um, I just was so excited because I was invested in these people. You know, I had spent a couple of days with them, and I just I was rooting for all of them, and each one of them had such an amazing story, and so um, it was really special. Not only because you got to, I obviously got to tell someone they were a millionaire, but like I said, I was invested in these in these 
five people and, and just was rooting for them. Love that. And, and I'm seeing that you already have your five finalists, obviously, but uh, some people also win an at-home New Year's Eve party package. How does that uh, relate for you guys uh, in doing the show? Yeah, so I think because, you know, it's very different this year, I just feel like everyone um, wanted to be able to bring that element home to them because they can't be in New York or because people can't get the typical experience. This is obviously our way of making sure they still get that amazing experience and still feel a part of it, you know? So I think that was a really great little added element just so they don't feel like they're missing out. Mm-hmm. And what do they, what do they get? Um, they get a celebration, just like you said. I don't know all the details of what it entails, but they get to have sure. an at-home celebration. Um, and I, I feel like the idea is to try to let them have a little bit of that party element, a little bit of that celebration that they obviously didn't get to take part in uh, in New York, so they don't feel like they missed out. I love that. Yeah, is this going to be weird not to see Times Square filled with people, but they're still going to have the performers, and they're still going to have uh the hosts obviously how are they going to do that are they going to put virtual screens all throughout times square what have you heard about how we're going to keep the party going during the era of covid yeah so you know because there won't be tons of people i know they are going to have lots of the big screens and they're going to uh try to make people feel as as a part of it as much as they can i mean i won't even be out there in times square I'll, i will be in a studio um, okay. with a large window over, overlooking Times Square myself. So I will be watching from the window and I will have a screen in my room as well. So there's just a lot of adjustments that are going on, trying to keep people as safe as possible, but still be able to celebrate and, and have those moments, um, you know, to feel a part of it. There's some big entertainment lined up. Jennifer Lopez, Billy Porter, Cindy Lauper, Jimmy Allen, and Machine Gun Kelly in Times Square. And then in L.A., we've got uh, Nelly, Miley Cyrus, Megan Thee Stallion, and so many others. Plus, you guys just announced In Vogue performing. Yep, yep. And Sierra will be out in L.A. hosting that segment. So, um, yeah, it's just it's going to be a really great lineup. I really think people are going to enjoy the show. Well, we deserve a party to bring in 2021. Hopefully, much better, much better things in the new year. What are you looking forward to? for this new year. And what's your new year's resolution? Well, my new year's resolution is always to get back in shape and get healthy because I really let myself eat freely for the holidays. I'm a big foodie. Um, sure. so I really go for it, but bikini season is always right around the corner. So I always like to get on the, the health train and work out and get back on my program. But in addition to that, I, uh, I decided my new year's resolution is to get more organized this year. Um, okay. I'm always feeling like I'm doing things last minute or just barely uh, getting <laughs> to what I needed to do. So I'm going to be a better planner, a better organizer uh, just for my sanity. And could there be new music uh, coming from you as well? Absolutely. I was supposed to have a single and a record drop this year, but with everything going on, uh, you know, my team and I decided to hold off. So this uh, coming year, 2021, is the year of music for me. It'll be the main focus. So I'm I'm really excited about that. Hopefully I'll get to be on the road by fall. Yeah. You know, it's hard in such a difficult year when when there was so much tragedy and so much loss and so many just weirdness all around. But you know, you look back and there are still things to be grateful for as there are every year. Do you does one thing stick out in your mind as as sort of the highlight in in the darkness that was 2020 anything in particular to be grateful for? 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like I'm in the same boat as everyone where it was really rough at first, but then you started to really see the light and the beauty of a lot of the darkness. And for me, that was, um, I would have had a really busy work year, you know, and mm-hmm. it gave me the ability to slow down, stop what I was doing and focus even more so on my family and create memories and moments that I would have not had. Um, we took some, when things started to open up a little bit more, we took some road trips and um, just did some exploring, getting back to nature, things that we would have never had the ability to do. And they are moments that I will cherish forever with my family. Um, it was just good to just kind of turn it off, that work mind off a little bit. I can work a little too much sometimes because I'm, I'm a very driven person, but I my family is everything to me, which I think is obvious. So it was nice to just get back to that element that's the most important. Sure. Yeah, I, I think if 2020 has given us anything, it's given us time to reflect and actually see what's important and slow down a bit. Absolutely. Well, Jesse James Decker, cannot wait to watch you tonight, New Year's Rockin' Eve, Dick Clark, Fort number 49, Powerball Millionaire, second year doing the first Millionaire of the Year. Cannot wait to see who wins, cannot wait to hear their stories, and cannot wait for new music from you uh, in the new year. And we'll have to have you back for a longer chat uh, when that happens. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So much fun to talk to her. She was she was a treat. Uh, looking forward. Hopefully we'll get to have her back to talk more a little, a little bit more about her music next year. Or I should say to... Yeah. I hate those jokes. I hate, I hate those dad... <laughs> I hate those dad jokes. Oh, screw you. Well, you are a dad. I'm full of them. But I'm full of them. We had asked her what the five... Um, at-home New Year's Eve packages included, and a little more research shows uh, the winners get 12500 cash. Wow. Deluxe dinner for eight, 70-inch LED TV, karaoke system, $500 gift certificate to Party City, and more. Plus, they earn that entry into the $1 million drawing to be the first Powerball, first millionaire of the year. Awesome. So, um, that's awesome. So, uh, looking forward to seeing that tonight on uh, ABC and everyone should tune in as well. It's again, her second year doing that. And uh, it's definitely going to be a unique experience. All these countdown shows uh, are as have the, um, the award shows issue, just very uh, eerie. If you think about it. Yeah. You know, it'll be weird to see times square empty. I'm sure they'll do something to fill the space, but um, you know, hopefully everybody's positive about 2021. Everybody's careful about 2021 is going to be my year, but everybody's positive that, that we can only go up from here. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I hope, I hope we get, I heard today I was talking with somebody who does um, clinical research at 70% inoculation. That's when the restrictions should come off. So if we can get to 70% inoculation by the fall, or by the spring or fall, we'll be good to go. Mm-hmm. And any restrictions that are still in place should be disobeyed. I'm done with it, buddy. I'm done. Well, if you're in California, everybody's disobeying them. Right. Um, they're not, uh, you know, the governor's enforced it, but um, the highway patrol's enforcing, but local municipalities, their the law enforcement's there, are just not uh, enforcing the curfews they're not enforcing any of the closures any of that i i think it's just too hard perhaps anti-mask just to be anti-mask is is 
horrible, but when you look at it on a case-by-case basis and say these 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 restaurants shouldn't be locking down or whatever else, is it makes sense to start getting into the weeds a little bit, a little more than we were in the spring and summer, and just say what can we really try to bring back completely and what needs a little bit more time. But all of this to say... We don't know what's going to happen with concert in, with the concert industry, but we did have concerts in the beginning of the year until the middle of March. What was your favorite show that you saw this year, buddy? The only one I saw, well, I saw two. <laughs> uh, Blake Shelton, back in February, mm-hmm. uh, had no clue whatsoever. It was the beginning of all of this. Had no clue whatsoever that was going to be the last concert I would attend for the rest of the year until Nashville happened with the Oaks, which we've talked before just came up. So um, I, I would say it was Blake. I mean, it was about a three, four hour show. It, you know, um, he had um, with the openers and everything. He, well, actually he just had uh, Lauren Elena and then uh, went into his show. And then he had like Trace Adkins and John Anderson and Bellamy brothers. They all joined him in the middle of his set. Oh, so they didn't perform pre him. He came on, and then they were a part of it. Yeah, and they, they did some songs together, but what he would do is he would just kind of, um, they, they would come out like uh, after several of his songs. Uh, I, I don't recall now. It's been so long, but he did probably a good 45 minutes or so to an hour, and then he uh, introduced them, or actually, I don't even think he introduced them now that I think about it. Just stage went dark. He disappeared. They came out. I think it was John Anderson first. Uh, he came out, did mm. a couple of his songs, and then Blake showed up again, and he did uh, a handful of songs, and then somebody else would come out, and then at the end of it, they just kind of came to the center part of the the, the catwalk part of the stage and uh, performed in the, you know, sort of sitting around each other acoustically or whatever, and uh, all all played, you know, different songs. Um, and then, you know, so it was a, it was a good, like, three and a half, four hours. And uh, my daughter was ready to go like an hour into it. I'm like, I'm not leaving. And thankfully we didn't because she had fun by staying later. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and then obviously the Oaks happened um, at the last minute uh, in November. But, uh, and that was a great show too, which we've talked about. But um, I'd have to say it was Blake. Uh, I'm not really into the whole um, concerts in your car gimmick. You know, I get it. <laughs> I, I appreciate what they're doing, but that's not me. I'm not going to, to listen to a show on my radio and sit, see them three, four hundred thousand feet no. back. That's not me. No, that's a that's a way to do it because I I, I have a confession. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand when there are twelve hundred thousand openers and then the headliner comes on at nine and you're not out of there till I, midnight. I'm with you. Uh, I, I, uh, I am with you. I like an open, a middle, and a close. Mm-hmm. An open, a middle, and the headliner. Like, uh, now this wasn't last year, but I think 2018, this wasn't this year, but I think 2019, 2018, right as he was blowing up, Luke Combs middled for Jason Aldean. It was Lauren Elena. Then it was, then it was Luke, who did about 45. Lauren did about 20. Luke did about 45, and then Jason did a straight 90 through no encore. That was genius. Dirk Bentley, the, he had a zillion openers. He had 
Hot Country Nights played. I, but but that's one you can skip. Like they play as you're coming in, and then there were a couple others, and it was like, okay, come yeah. on, Dirks, let's go. Um, Brad Paisley, I love Brad. He picks perfect openers. But anyway, favorite concerts of 2020. Hmm. Well, <laughs> oh my God, I'm trying to remember what all I saw. Because you know me, my goal is to be in a seat. Um, is to be in a seat every weekend. Is to yeah, be at a and, show. Yeah, and I I had uh, about three others scheduled too, uh, this year, and uh, well, they're they're postponed. I know I saw a little Big Town, um, at the Apollo. That was cool for the atmosphere of actually getting to see a show at the Apollo. Dead of Winter. I don't even think it was February yet. Dead of Winter. Uh, saw a show. Saw a show there, at the Apollo. It was really, really it was really good. Um, was more subdued. I, I prefer them in an arena setting. What else did I see this year, buddy? Well, uh, you saw Lauren Elena. Yes, I did. That was a great show. January twenty yes, seventh. Um, yes. Eddie Montgomery in March. Nothing in February though. I know about no. Eddie and Selena and Celine. Yeah, Celine that was my Celine. that then, was my weekend. That was my yeah. pre COVID weekend. Yeah. Then it jumps to uh, obviously the Oaks and Oaks. then uh, the Melanie Martinez uh, live stream. It is actually a toss up between. I, I won't have a favorite concert. I'll have a favorite weekend. There you go. My favorite weekend was Celine and Eddie Montgomery because that juxtaposition. Of going out to it was Jersey where I saw Celine, mm-hmm. going out to Jersey, watching her big spectacle show, having seen her in Las Vegas. Now she opened that show a cappella, but then the next night I got to go to a club called Mulcahy's, or Mulcahy's, I think, a pub and bar, and it was the coolest venue. And I stood at the front leaning on it. They tried to give me a table, but it was like away from everything. And so I stood at the front for hours. It was just awesome. Got to meet Eddie Montgomery. I did a Facebook Live. I did a video yeah. on our on our thing. It was like, this is an amazing venue. It's out on Long Island, right off the train. It's an amazing club. It is just an amazing pub. And I think Luke Combs had played there right as he was popping. Um, it oh, was nice. one of his last club places. It was just state-of-the-art. Not run down, not dingy, just really, really cool. Uh, it's one of my favorite moments from 2020 is seeing Eddie Montgomery there, meeting him for half a second, and uh, it was and making new friends. And that's what I miss about concerts in general. You know, if you do concerts right, you make friends, mm-hmm. and you make friends that last a lifetime, and you bond over the music. That's my favorite concert experience. I love the Oaks. The Oaks were a tradition, but in terms of unique shows that you haven't really seen uh until this year that that weekend sticks out in my mind is just like that last hurrah before everything shut down well to, to change course and not to dwell on the bad part of 2020 but we lost a lot of great musicians we did go to the musicuniverse.com you'll find these but the 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 thing is this isn't comprehensive because I'm one guy trying to cover all this news and there are things that are going to be missed or I can't get to so I'll start um I believe this is chronological sure so I'm going to start with uh, Rush drummer Neil Peart that was January 
That uh, felt like 2018, the way this year went. And I oh, read yes. that to the other day that it was this year, and I'm like, oh, my God, that feels like forever ago. It, it was so shocking. Everybody in the world was shocked because no one knew he was sick except his family and very few close friends. Um, and he was a very private guy. So it, he kept it extremely private. Now, I did cut a uh, six-minute um, episode, just my reflections on him. Uh, you were unavailable, so I just had myself to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's pretty short, but uh, you, you can go back. I think it's like episode seven, if that tells you anything. Uh, we're 60-something episodes later. We're, we're doing this one. So uh, subscribe, and you can you can check that out. Um, I'm just going to kind of briefly go down people and we can kind of follow back and talk about them. Kenny Rogers, Joe Diffie, John Prine, Harold Reed of the Statler Brothers, Charlie Daniels, Fleetwood Max, uh, Peter Green, Quiet Riot drummer Frankie Benali, songwriter Mac Davis, Eddie Van Halen, Little Richard, Doug Supernall, Hal Ketchum, Charlie Pride, KT Oslin, and Leslie West of Mountain. A lot of people. This is how 2016 felt, too, right? There Mm -hmm. were so many celebrity deaths that it felt like, what in the heck is this year? You know, between, you know, the election years are always somber anymore and people don't like them. And then death compounds them. And now this year we had the pandemic. Uh, These are just, you know, the loss of anybody is huge. But the loss of somebody who's contributed so much to pop culture that's a record of history gone and i think that's why we tend to mourn it isn't just mm-hmm. because they've they've achieved something so huge it's because they are themselves history and those stories can never be told again so yeah. I, I always have felt weird about mourning celebrity deaths because their accomplishments in life i don't think are more or less important than your and mine, my accomplishments and contributions to society, but they lived through eras and people loved right. them. And that makes them canons of history that pass on and you, and they don't get to share their experiences anymore. And I think that's why it is always so big. Losing so many of these guys and so many were prominent. I mean, I, Kenny Rogers was, I mean, most of these were unexpected, I think to the public, but you know, Kenny Rogers passed, and then, uh, my God, Joe fucking Diffie. I I almost did not go see him last year in 2019 at the fair, right? And uh, I'm so glad I did. I'm I'm t- man, I'm getting chills. I'm tearing up just talking yeah. about him because I, why Joe Diffie? COVID nineteen hits, and Joe contracts it two days later. They announce he's dead. I don't understand it. Yeah, and then you have the people like Charlie Daniels who didn't die from COVID, just oh died God. from natural causes, and that—that that that, was a shock. I, you know, getting that out there. I, I remember texting you. I'm like, Charlie Daniels, and you about flipped your lid. And. You I, have I think to understand. I think I was the first outlet to get that out there. Not not trying to tip the hat or anything, but uh, getting that well, out there was hard. You have to understand my personal history with Mr. Charlie Daniels. Um, when I was eight years old, my mom, 
she had a conference to in Nashville at the Opryland, mm-hmm. and um, they had hired, and it was actually, I think I told you, they had hired Charlie Daniels to play uh, at to close out the conference. They'd hired the CDB, uh, the whole band, not just Charlie, but the whole group. Right. And uh, it was actually in the ballroom where we saw the Oaks, because I think that's the only room with a stage like that. Yeah. So that's where we saw Charlie Daniels. And that was that gave me chills. Um, but we went backstage and we were fan club and you could pick you could pick any event, public or private, that you were gonna be at for a fan club meet and greet. Now, my mom would have gotten to go back as a convention bigwig to meet him anyway, but we chose to do our fan club. So there were a couple other people there that had the fan club and we went back and, and they brought him in and the big wigs went to go first and Charlie said no, no, those fans paid good money to be here, uh, to be members of my fan club. They are the loyal, they are the loyal ones. They go first. Oh, I will see sweet. the fans first. And so we get up there and to take a picture and he puts the hat on me. Mm. And then 20 years later, not, not even 20 years, 18 years later, I get to interview him again. First of all, about a year before that, he was my first... Country, big country music interview for when my show Talk for Two did a country music week before we were doing the Music Universe podcast. Right. And he was like my big tent pole guest for that, for his book. Uh, it was it was for something. Um, and then for his book, Never Look at the Empty Seats in 2017, uh, I got to interview him in person at the St. George Theater. Thank you, Vincent, at the St. George for letting me get in and get set up and for all the years we worked together, going to concerts and stuff, I'm not there anymore, but I miss you, and I'm sure I'll be back. But got to go in and do that. I was so nervous, I forgot to introduce myself to him. And I know that, because when he <laughs> went to sign stuff for me, he asked for my name, and I'm like, crap, we just sat here and had a conversation, he didn't even know my name. <laughs> but I was so, like, just got to get him in and get him done, because he comes in with the full security. But then we do pictures at the end, What I sh- and he because he was signing that old picture of, of me, of me, in the hat. Yeah. What does he do when we get a picture? He takes his hat off, puts it on my head. 20, God, I would have been uh. t- 23 years old, 24 years old. And then we were supposed to interview him for the volunteer jam. Yeah. Uh, when it was going to happen, they kept pushing it, so they kept pushing his media for it. And it was just that man, without knowing it, welcomed me into country music journalism before anybody else. And it was just a a shock. I felt like I lost a friend, even though I didn't know him that well and I don't pretend to. You'll hear a lot of other people that didn't really know him, but that he extended such kindness to um, feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's respectable. He was very warming and and, uh, made you feel like you knew him whether you fully knew him or not. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. He was going to be booked on here. And I was utter shocked when that press release came through. And, oh, my God, I, I couldn't believe America's Patriot was gone. He was like a jolly old man and uh, <laughs> very seemed very kind. And uh, the, the fact that he met with fans was cool. Um, 
So yeah, it, it's a little uh, tear jerking to know that he's gone. Yeah. And his son, though, he's gonna carry on his legacy. You'll see it on Twitter every night. Signs off the same way Charlie did when he was alive. And uh, I, I believe they're gonna work on um, reissues and things like that. Vault releases as time progresses. That's the thing. I think we will see a lot of legacy collections next year from some of these big artists mm-hmm. that passed on. Um, and we will be covering that on week those on weekend notes. That show's just so much fun to do. It's it's a lot of work. And so please it, it watch is. it. But it is. it's a and, lot of fun. And that came out of COVID too. Yes, it did. The start of it, I had one light hitting me directly. That was all I had. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And I edited it together and I, with banners and VO and everything. And you were like, holy crap. I did not know you could do that. So this is what I say about... 2020 having a good outcome i moved i'm truly on my own for the first time in my life um i lived in new york by myself but i lived with my boyfriend and it was quite codependent and dependent on some other things and this is the first time that i've lived on my own in a new city and and so this was the year of of things aligning oddly because of covid that allowed me to launch kind of the next phase of my life so I, I, I can honestly say, and it feels dirty to say it because I know there are so many people who have suffered such tragedy, but I am grateful for 2020. I am not grateful that hundreds of thousands have died and that millions are sick, but I am grateful that certain attitudes in the way we approach our culture, like working from home and, and teleworking and being able to work from anywhere and being able to book people remotely or to do interviews on the phone or to be able to network via Zoom meetings and not have to show your face at dinners every day. I am grateful for all of that because that allowed me to work my job, find my other job, and move to a new city. Had I still been in New York, I don't know where I would be right now. So I am grateful to the way the year ironed itself out I just wish it were not under such tragedy. And I don't think it's wrong to say that. It's not. I mean, we've both had, you know, life-changing things happen this year uh, for the better. Um, You know, I'm focused on doing this, and uh, it it feels great. But the, the thing is, yes, there's downfalls to it, but we've, to the year, I mean, but we've, We've grown in many ways. You know, it's been a reflective year more than anything. It's made people yes. sit back and realize, is this what I want to do or do I want to do this? And if I want to do this, I'm moving on from this. And well, I know that's what it's done for me. And it, it feels great. Uh, you know, traveling has been a bitch, but, you know, we've got to move <laughs> forward, but do it in a safe and respectful manner. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it is what it is. The world is what it is, but we keep going. And, and, and your point to, if you want to do it, do it. I decided, you know, to take my savings and invest in my move, to take a large portion of my paycheck every two weeks from my previous company and invest it in gear for the studio because I knew those were things that I would get use out of and would help me make money in the long run. So having the ability to produce for myself and to edit. 
um, and to have a bunch of different boards for different portabilities and uh, a backdrop and, and chairs that allowed me to sit properly in front of a camera. Like, you know, that was the decision I made. I would not have been able to make that if I would have needed to live in New York. So, yeah. you know, it, it's a really a year, like you said, of putting things into perspective. I want to end this with, we talked about favorite concerts. We talked about our In Memoriam. Favorites, favorite album and favorite song of 2020. Go. Favorite album. Um, God, let me come back to that. Favorite song. Um, and it's an earworm, but I am going to say it's Pick Her Up from Hot Country Nights and Travis Tritt. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. Yes. Every time it, when somebody says something. And those words are in there, pick her up or anything, or I don't, I mean, that, that song is an earworm, but that album is great. I, whether you're a comedic kind of music connoisseur or what, yeah. yes, they're, they're a little goofy on stage, but their original music is really good. If you have not heard that album, pick it up. It's a really reverent tribute to nineties country and it's, yes. it's brilliantly and done. That's, that's my favorite style of country. Anyway, nineties are my favorite yeah. era. Now, favorite album. Uh, God bless it. It's going to be Garth, man. I mean, you know it. Fun. It, fun. Yeah. Fun finally hit the store shelves when we were in Nashville. It wasn't fun looking for those damn covers, but I got all six. Good my for mom, you. My mom had to find, I, I told her, I'm like, can you go to the dollar store? This is in Missouri. Like, can you go to the dollar store and just see if they have them? I cannot find them here. She found yeah. them. Found them. So picked up a couple and brought them out when she came for Christmas. <laughs> I love that. Now, yours. Okay. Um, God. See, the problem is I'm a music junkie. If it's mm -hmm. a song I love, I buy it. I it's buy a song it. I love, I buy the album. Right. Well, <sighs> generational problem. Um, <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay. So, favorite song of 2020. It is a toss-up. And I'm I'm copping out and doing a toss up between three. Okay. Okay. Cold as you by Luke Combs is just I've never heard a breakup song also sound like a party song. Yeah. So Cold as You is just great. Great. Luke one. is so great at those juxtapositions. Mm -hmm. Um He's a wordsmith uh, for sure. Amen on fun, and I don't think that'll ever be a single, but <laughs> that's well, maybe maybe listeners don't understand that song. You want to care to, to explain it? Well, we didn't talk about this in our our review of the album, but um, there's a line in the song that is essentially uh, says, "Doctor tells me, boy, you're gonna go blind uh, if he keeps up a particular activity." Well, I I'm gonna stop you there and tell you I got this text message out of nowhere. Okay. Because we got this, we got the album in advance and I, I wasn't able to listen to it right away, but you instantly pulled it up and I get this text that it said something similar to a man is about jacking off. <laughs> well, then and I, I had, lost it. Then I had uh, my friend listen to it and he said, no, that's about having a lot of sex with a lot of women. I'm like, no, no, no. The line, boy, you're gonna go blind. You know, I think I think it's a cheeky nod as a follow up to Sugarcane, 
which is quite <laughs> honestly about m- m- men and their penises, um, which Garth admitted to me in an interview. The last song, just because I listened to this a lot during my move when I first got to DC, and I don't know why I latched onto it. It's just if I like a song, I, I latch onto it. Mm-hmm. Ghost Town Nation, Travis Tritt. Oh, God, yes. It, it's it's an it's an ode to 90s as well, if you ask me. Really? I, I thought it was a little a little rougher around the edges to be a 90s song. Um, well, it it has the it has his, I'll, I'll say it has his classic vibe. Mm-hmm. It, it's not as polished as '90s stuff, but it it doesn't have the today's modern production a hundred percent. Sure, I want to go back. I want to go back to Amen for a second, though, mm-hmm. because you told you said about the text message, and I gave my theory. When you listen to it, do you hear any hidden messages on on anything related to my theory? We, I never got your side, even privately. Well, I I don't know what you think about that song. It it's kind of. I I see it now that you brought that out. <laughs> you brought that up. Otherwise, I, I didn't honestly get a chance to listen to it before you mentioned that. So I I can see it now, but I can also see the other side that that. Um, your friend said, where it's yeah. just, you know, about being with a bunch of women. So I, I could see it either way. Um, hey, more power to him. It's funny that he can write that well. Right. Well, I think it's like Sugar Cane and Baby Let's Lay Down and Dance. It's like the, the, the product of those two songs coming together. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, but, you know, it, it's interesting that he could straddle really great, fun themes and then go so adult, you don't expect it from him. Yeah. It's been a crazy, crazy year. You know, it has. Um, yeah, we we can't wrap the show without talking about Nashville. Um, they, they've just been, man, it's, it, I feel for them. Uh, obviously, before COVID, they were hit hard by tornadoes. Yeah. Uh, in many areas I frequent in when I lived there. And then um, clearly COVID just shuts the world down. Well, now the bombing that happened Christmas Day, this senseless act of violence, this terrorism. It's thankfully, thank God, no one was killed other than the the uh, perpetrator. But um, I I did hear that uh, David Malloy, the record producer, he's worked with Riva and a lot of other people. He was on Second Avenue walking his dog when a police officer told him to get out of the area. Oh wow! Um, And he had he had heard that uh, recording, but didn't quite connect it to anything, Um, which makes sense because who who would think that? Um, But he lives somewhere on second Avenue and he works out of there too. Um, just heavy hearts for, for Nashville all around yeah. for the people, for, for the city. I mean, what gets me and I was telling my mom, like, my God, we were there a month ago walking those streets where that happened. Yeah. We didn't yeah. quite go up that side of second Avenue, but the AT&T building we parked next to is, mm-hmm. which it seems like it was targeted. Um, is on the third Avenue side of commerce street. And that was second Avenue, but still all of that area is just 
destroyed. And it just, it gives you chills whether you've been there or not, but it, it's just, man, it heavy hearts or thoughts and prayers go out to them and Nashville strong. They will recover. And, um, man, it's, it's just heartbreaking. Lots of weird things, lots of things, lots of questions everybody still has, but you know, now's not the time and place to talk about those. Uh, although it did make international news, you were on a foreign news outlet, uh, to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They got, um, so it's, it's, it's huge because it's just so freaky. The message, the fact that there was no note. I think this is going to go down kind of like the the shooting in Las Vegas where we'll never even know truly why the guy did what he did. You could speculate because he blew right. it near a, a, a grid, a grid point that lost power for several states, lost internet connection. But, you know, I don't want to speculate here. And I just want to say my heart, is with Nashville. I offered to some friends, I said, if you need anything, you know, I'm an hour flight away because I am and that's kind of shocking. Um, yeah. I didn't realize I was that close until we went down. I said, if anybody needs anything, I'll, I'll hop on a plane and come down. Um, so it's, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. Absolutely I, crazy. You know, it's, uh, God, God, God bless Nashville, man. They, they've been hit just ridiculously hard. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, the music industry is based in Nashville. It's Music City. So to, to have a one, two, three punch yeah. in, a, in a year, uh, in the same calendar year, it, man, it, it, it hurts. It yeah, hurts me. It and and I, I love the city uh, for all, all types of reasons. But uh, But <sighs> you know what? That's all the more incentive for you and I to go back in 2021, support them, support the efforts to rebuild that section of Second Avenue, mm-hmm. and um, just to just to help them get through it. Uh, love that community; they've been so good to us with this show. A lot of our artists that we talk to are based out of there, so mm-hmm. my heart is with them. Uh, and uh, I just know 2021. Is we're going to rebuild Nashville. We're going to rebuild this country's economy. We're going to rebuild the concert industry. We're going to rebuild the music industry. And 2021 is going to, we're all going to get out of this hell, I think. Yeah. Now, I uh, before we wrap, I am hearing uh, probably third quarter is when touring will likely yes. start up again. So uh, all the power to you. Let's let's get this thing going. Let's Let's get back to concerts. Before we go. I want to cross-promote something, because I never talk about Talk for Two that much on this show, except when it's in relation to artists and, and who I've interviewed before we started doing this. Yeah. But for more 2020 nostalgia, I say that ironically, and for the meme of 2020, I was supposed to air her Thanksgiving weekend, but you know what? I thought, no, I'm saving her for New Year's Eve. Up right now is my interview with the one and only Carol Baskin, and it's actually quite an insightful interview. She, of course, was a centerpiece of the Tiger King Netflix documentary series that just Mm -hmm. exploded during the height of the pandemic when literally everybody was at home, height of the quarantine. And um, we started emailing back and forth. And I'm like, what is my life? And she said yes. And so I think it's something our listeners would enjoy just because it's another great sort of wrap on 2020. Um, but that's that. And I, I, and I'm also just amused that I got her. (laughs) It amuses me. 
it, you told me and I was some of the people you got like I'm really like oh, wow you got some really hey, cool people I I have fun doing it it's it's a joy I have fun doing this with you and I really want oh, to continue too. doing this and keep up the workflow that we've had in 2021 I think it's only going to get bigger from here it, uh I think this year like we said the circumstances allowed us to lay a groundwork that I think as things reopen in 2021 we're going to be we're going to be golden and we're going to have a lot of fun next year. So I agree. Signing off. I'm Matt Bailey. And I'm Buddy on. Thanks for listening and keep checking out the musicuniverse.com for the latest news and reviews and notable releases, as well as YouTube for notable releases, video version and weekend notes. Take care.